Since I became a copywriter, there's one person whose LinkedIn posts and tweets I've considered an absolute must-follow. Her experience working on copy, branding, and tone of voice guidelines for the likes of Nando's, Harvey Nichols, Sky, Sony, ITV, and lots more make her, I think, the most qualified person this side of the pond to ask how we should all go about using the power of words to build your brand, both online and off. That person is, of course, copy chief and brand and TOB consultant Vicky Ross. And if you don't know her name already, you absolutely will do by the time this episode is over. Yeah, you know, we love a copywriting episode and this one's no different learning from the best of the very best. Vicky's client roster is quite simply ridiculous and shows how much she's been entrusted with some of the biggest brands in the world. In this episode, we cover how to implement three copywriting principles that will change the way you communicate going forward, how to ensure consistency in your tone of voice across all platforms, and why a line from the 1980s still remains Vicky's favourite to this day. Vicky, welcome to Social Minds. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I'm so happy you could join us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you. Well, we've got a big question for you today, as we always do. And the one that you're getting today is, how can you use words to build a brand? Um, You can use words in lots of ways to build a brand. You can use them at the internal end of things and write a brand position and vision and mission and purpose and personality and all the things that we see in presentations that go around companies. Um, But they're all the things that create a brand and bring it to life for everyone working for that brand. So they can have thoughts and ideas and guidance and phrases to follow and live by off of all of those words. But you can also use words to express all of that in external facing communications as well so that the brand comes to life for the target audience, not just the internal audience that are working with it. And you can also use brands to build on all of that um, and to connect the target audience, the external audience back to the brand, words that represent it so that it's thought of every time someone sees or hears those words. For example, Whenever I see uh, see or hear magic, I think of Disney. And when I see or hear break, I think of Kit Kat from their slogan, have a break, mm. have a Kit Kat. And the more a brand uses words like that, the more um, everybody will think of them when they see them or hear them. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Just Carl's little ooh, noise of recognition there when you said break for Kit Kat because yeah. it I obviously rings true. Um, and I know so many of our listeners will kind of be aware of like the main copywriting principles, if not through their daily life, but through hearing me bang on about it. And obviously our episode that we recently did with Andrew Bolton. So things like, you know, you have to know your audience, you have to know the brand's USP and speak to that. Um, and I've got a few of my own as well that I like to live by. But you have three principles, Vicky, that you've come up with over your many years of experience experience. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are? Yeah, of course. I just have to say, I haven't come up with them from nowhere. They're from years of experience and learning from others who have also followed similar principles. I've just called them get real, get personal and get active. Um, And I've narrowed them down to three because three is always a good rule to follow in copywriting. And I've made them all actions as well so that they're instantly gettable. But to explain each one, get real means using real language that real people really say and by real people I mean the audience we have to speak their language although this isn't always true as it depends on who we are as a brand and who they are as an audience so for example a supermarket brand would talk exactly like its audience but a medical brand would probably talk more in a professional and informed way to its audience if its audience is patients but 
if its audience was doctors, say, then the brand would probably talk just like them. So it's about speaking your audience's language or, an, or a language that would be relevant to them. I often show the Ron Seal TV ad in my talks and workshops because it's a great example of real language and their slogan does exactly what it says on the tin. It's been around for about 30 years because it's so effective, which is proof that talking in marketing terms or technical jargon isn't what the audience will relate to. Like when Apple launched their iPod, they said 1,000 songs in your Mm. pocket rather than, I don't know, uh, I don't know technical language. Five gigabytes but like, of storage, exactly, that's what they could have 50, said. 50 gigabytes, yeah. That's like one of my um, favourite lines ever of copy of all time. I think it's brilliant. It's just a great example of, you know, understanding who you're talking to and speaking in a way that they'll understand back. Get personal is about talking directly to the audience and writing in the first person and maybe even asking direct questions. So making an audience feel like they're involved in in your story and can see themselves in it. And lots of brands use you, so the first person in their slogans, so they're talking to their audience right from the start of any communication with them, like Probably one of the most famous ones is L'Oreal saying, because you're worth it. But also Red Bull gives you wings. And then get active is writing in the active voice and using active words like verbs, which make what we say feel current and lively, uh, like the audience can join in with whatever we're talking about. And then the opposite is the horrid passive voice, which often makes what we say longer and clunkier but also feels like whatever we're talking about is in the past so the audience can't join in. And if they can't join in, then why would they take any notice of what we say? Yeah, amazing. Well, one example I give of that is Amy watches TV. That's in the active voice. It sounds like it's happening right now and you can all join in and watch TV with Amy. But if we put that in the passive voice, it would be the TV is watched by Amy, which doesn't Mm. feel like we can join in with her and it feels cold and exclusive. And I say all of this, these all these three principles is because copywriting is a conversation with whoever our audience is. And I find that getting real, getting personal and getting active is really helpful in making sure that the conversations we have are interesting and engaging and relevant. That passive active one is quite a good example. You see it all the time in uh, newspaper headlines and things like, I always end up coming with like very dark examples of this, but it takes the onus like away from the subject um, when you write passively, doesn't it? We see things like a woman was attacked by mm. police officer. It makes it yeah. feel like it's on the woman, but police officer attacked the woman. That's like getting straight to the point. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. And there's a reason why those headlines are written like that. Whereas copywriting, we're we're always wanting our audience to do something as a result of reading Mm. what we've written or hearing what we've said. And I think putting it in the active voice makes it like an instant action that everyone will understand. You probably heard me going, hmm, and yes, quite a lot here. I remember our last copywriting episode with Andrew, actually. It was just like a lesson. I was just like, like I was being back in school, just <laughs> absolutely fixated. I, I was outnumbered I, then as he is now. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I just love listening to how copywriters and, and writers in general go about their business because it's something for me so different how you kind of paint stories with words and uh, the application behind what you do, like you mentioned there, you know, making things personal. And I was going to ask actually, you know, how can brands apply those three principles, so real, personal, active, but actually I think you gave some great examples there with the Ron Seal, et cetera. But what I was also thinking then, so you talked about the rule of three, make words work, make words count and make words dance. How do I apply these three principles? So get real, get personal and get active are the foundations for good writing and make words count, make words work and make words dance. 
push those initial principles on and help us make what we say even more interesting or even fun if it's right right for the brand and this is the fun bit I really like copywriters to enjoy their writing and when they do the audience enjoys reading or hearing it so make words work is about using meaningful words not meaningless words and we we always need to find words that do something words that are strong and specific uh, like marketing words aren't words that work and marketing words are words like discover enjoy and experience authentic (laughs) you get a voiceover in an advert with those generate (laughs) but words that they're not words that real people say um they don't say them in conversation in the way that marketers say them so for example no one says they experienced a coke or they enjoyed a free delivery or they discovered a tv series they say they drank (laughs) a coke they got a free delivery and they saw a tv series so words like discover and enjoy and experience they don't work Make Words Count is about making sure every word deserves to be in what we're saying and isn't a filler word just getting in the way and making what we say difficult to read or hear. And it might be, you know, everyone's different, but it might be that we need to write at length so that we can see what doesn't count and then cut whatever words or phrases we can so that we can get to the point more quickly. It's less is more, basically. Would the Apple example be a good example of that? Apple, Apple example, yeah, you're definitely making words count, but like they could have said that twice, couldn't they? It's like they're repeating yourself. You, they could have said it's got it's got this much storage, which means that's like having a, a thousand words in your pocket, but you can just take out the beginning well, bit. Not li- you don't literally have words in your pocket. Do you know what I mean? So well, it's yeah, you're selling the benefits, not the features. Exactly, like this is what you're going to get, not what's written on the box. You see, he's getting a lesson. <laughs> Everyone's learning yeah. through. This, oh, this, yeah. Um, Please just, yeah, go for there's, it. There's an Apple ad for a, um, an iPhone from last year, I think it is now, which I often use in, in my workshops as an example. And the line is blast past fast. And they could have written something like you can scroll on your screen quickly, which is fine. But I mean, let's not. Um, think about tone of voice yet but in terms of good writing principles they've gone with uh, starting with a verb so blast and then past and fast and this is a this sort of leans into my make words dance principle but you know leaning on uh, words that sound the same so that everything runs off the tongue um, nicely mm. um, so yeah you might have written that at length first and then tried to work out what words would count but I may as well go into make words um, dance now if uh, as soon mm. as I've mentioned them Another way of thinking about making your words count is restricting yourself to one thought or idea per line or story or paragraph or advert, whatever it is. So, you know, I think we always get briefs that say, you know, what's the USP? And then whoever's filled in the brief has written six things. And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're looking for that one thing. So if you start putting six things into a story, no one's going to know what to do with them. And adjectives, they also don't make words count because I think we use them in everything, everywhere. And yeah, too many. Yeah, but and they're all the same as well. Like any, so they don't distinguish a brand. Like any brand can say that what they do is amazing or they've got an incredible offer. So I'm not against adjectives, by the way. I just think there are better ones that we can use. Um, adjectives that count, and they're the facts. Like we should always look for the facts in something, anyway. So, for example, Sky, they used to say amazing drama and hilarious comedy but now they say award-winning drama and original comedy because both those things are true they're facts and that makes their story more interesting and more importantly more believable 
Um, also, if comedy is funny, I don't think you need to say that it's funny. Um, it's a really funny comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's just kind of obvious, isn't it? Maybe something wrong with that comedy if you have to say that. Um, <laughs> and finally, making words dance is this is my favourite one. This is about adding rhythm and using techniques like the power of three, which we've mentioned, uh, repetition, alliteration, and imagination too. And the imagination bit isn't just what we say, but it's in how we say it. I really like copywriters to give themselves permission to be an art director when they're writing, which I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's not for us to do. But you can always present verbally how you want your words to appear visually. And that could be something as simple as I want the line break to happen after this word. But it can also be really playing with phrasing or punctuation. Like, again, I, sorry to always use Apple, but they were great. They're not anymore, but they were. Remember when they um, came out with the MacBook Air and the line was light years ahead, but they put a full stop after the light. So it was light. Years I was ahead. trying to think of that example. That's the one I had in my head. I had that and another one, which I'll mention in a minute, but that one was really, That's really just clever. like moving punctuation. Really I love that yeah. one. It's exciting. It <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're getting nerdy over here, but I love it. Yeah, no, <laughs> be nerdy. This is what this is what I talk about all the time. I love being nerdy about it. Uh, so yeah, light, obviously, because it was a MacBook Air and it was a light product and years ahead because it was innovative. So in three words, they've created two sentences and there's benefits in each of those sentences, but you can also read the whole thing as one as well, light years ahead, and it still works. And it's just great. I really like that. But also, also, another great example of how you can play with your words uh, visually is Moulinex. They once did an ad where they jumbled up all the words to show basically how the product works. It was a blender. Sorry, I should have said that, shouldn't I? Uh, so it said something like the best blender in the world, but the words were all back to front and, and round nice. the wrong way. Yeah, really nice. And simple, so simple. Yeah, absolutely. I was so because I knew we were on with the copywriting experts, I did do some research and actually I had an example for giving words rhythm and making them dance. And I think the one that stood out to me was innocent. And they said, uh, why don't we add sugar? Think kids, think bouncing, think walls. And I really like that one. Again, it's that sort of, I think the rhythm in it and you kind of, you put in the words together when you, when you're saying it or when you're reading it. And Innocence rhythm is like chaotic, but it, but it fits because <laughs> the whole thing is branded random. So it's meant to be a bit like, you imagine someone really excitable reading it. It's like, and then there's this, and then there's this, and this, yeah. and this. Think kids, think yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, it's on yeah. purpose. So that was the one I liked anyway. I thought it'd been I once went over to Innocent and they gave me their tone of voice guidelines to take home and I felt like I'd been given gold. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, do I need a security so guard to take me home oh, so I don't I'll share this with anyone on, on eBay? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite extensive, isn't it? We, I mean, um, Marcus, we haven't seen it, it, but Marcus was just telling us about the training process that goes into when they're onboarding new writers, and it sounds rigorous. Yeah, well, you don't become a brand like that with a tone of voice like that without being rigorous. I mean, right. So, speaking of brand books and tone of voice guidelines, obviously, you've created that for multiple big brands can you walk us through the process um, of creating that so like some some brands have like tone of voice guides that are maybe covered five slides and deck and others have you know books that are as thick as war and peace but when uh, you're working on this and um, when you're advising brands on the kind of things that they need to be hitting what points do you get down first so things like purpose personality uh, that are essential to have in there 
Yeah, I mean, the length of them depends, I suppose, on how much you've got to say. Like, if you're just a tiny brand with one product, you you maybe don't have a huge amount of assets to discuss. But uh, Sky is probably the biggest brand book I've written, and Sky is gigantic, so there's lots to say for it. And all the all the sub brands need their own brand books too. So a brand book is the story of the brand. So all the things that will get everyone working for the brand excited to communicate on behalf of it visually and verbally. I write the visual guidelines too, even though my speciality is the verbal bit. So depending on the brand and how relevant every element of of it is, its book might start with its history and then present who it is now, what it stands for, what it does and what it looks and sounds like. And all of this should be in the brand's tone of voice. So the readers don't just see the, the tone of voice in the tone of voice section. And then tone of voice guidelines should show how the tone of voice comes to life in everything the brand might say. So usually a tone of voice is created with a set of principles to follow. I always think if you can't sum up a tone of voice in one paragraph, then I like there to be guess how many principles, <laughs> three. Um, <laughs> often a brand will have five or seven, uh, but I think the more words you have going around, the less control you have over how mm. everyone executes the voice. And then, Does it always have to be odd? Just on that point, sorry. I did hear that, that odds, odds are better than evens. No, it doesn't have to be odd. There is a thing about threes that they do have a positive impact on people. I, I don't really know sciencey stuff around what I do, but I've read it's that. It's just like numbers that sound nice, isn't it? Three or five sound yeah, nice. Yeah, but equally, Sainsbury's, they've updated them now, but the last tone of voice guidelines I saw for them, they only had two principles and it was lovely and lively, which it's just lovely um yeah. <laughs> and then with the, within the two there were more you know there was more guidance in each yeah. um obviously but to be able to describe your brand and your tone of voice in a nutshell like that is really useful for people who aren't the brand experts or the or the copywriters because mm-hmm. the other thing is you want tone of voice you want people to be able to understand what the tone of voice is even if they're not writing it because there are people that approve it and sign it off and they need to be able to get it without a copywriter basically giving them a copywriting lesson every Mm. time (laughs) and then the other thing I like brand books and tone of voice guidelines to have is um, if it's right for the brand again it depends on the size of the company I suppose but an A to Z of words and phrases are really helpful they can make sure that everyone's on brand even when they're not writing like a whole long piece of copy but they can just sprinkle words in that will connect back to the, the brand and they're things like we talked about earlier like magic for Disney for example so if you're in a rush like on social and you're reacting to something quickly and you can't get creative review booked in in the afternoon and 18 people in the room to sign something off then you can just stick in a brand word and you'll be safe knowing that you've Mm. made it feel on brand in part yeah it's interesting isn't it you know we, we talk about people coming into a brand and having to kind of act as the brand personalities are a lot well, it goes a long way when when we talk about that, and it's something that's actually become essential to carving out, you know, a, a brand on social media. And so many brands seem to rely on the personalities of the people behind uh, the keyboard as admin. So I'm actively trying to stop happening for our clients right now. Yeah, like, what's the tone of voice like? It's been the SMM on the thing, and I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> guess who's getting guess who's getting guidelines? Yeah, piped out. Go and write a book or something if you want to get your voice out there. <laughs> Don't put it. On- out on behalf of the brand you be quiet (laughs) 
<laughs> you can say, I don't think you can say that to her. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to write fun, a book. Yeah, I'd love I'll to go and do it. that. Actually, Michael from Ryanair mentioned that, you know, when people change shifts, for example, and, and come on, you can I probably can see a slight difference. People were you know? actually commenting, I didn't say this to Michael because it's rude, but people were actually commenting on Ryanair's TikTok after the first admin left her job. Because she also has a TikTok account. She mm. like left for uni and people were commenting on Ryan's TikToks going, has admin changed? Sounds different. Like they can tell. Yeah. yeah. They are. You, it's a really good point. They can tell. And I know you spoke to Sophie at Twitter recently. It was a really good episode, mm. by the way. So I, I don't know if you know, I did loads of work with them last year on what she was talking about, which is uh, how brands act on Twitter and how they have been acting for the last 10 years and what people make of them. And all this research that they did came back that people are paying attention. I mean, of course they are. They've actively gone and followed a brand. So they want to know what they're saying. And they commented that brands often sound the same on social media. Um, so I know that's slightly different to what you were saying about the social media persons, you know, using their voice. But it's all important points that we need to consider when we're executing on behalf of a brand, whether it's on social or in anything. Yeah, it was just it was more of a question as, as to why you think it's important to personify a brand and characterize a brand using that sort of admin character. Or any character. Yeah. You know, when they're like, so I had one once. Um, I don't know if we can name the brand. We don't work with them anymore, but just to be safe, I won't. But <laughs> they um, they had some guidelines in place and they were like, our tone of voice sounds like if like Adele and then listed like five other people that were nothing like Adele. Mm. If like all these people had a baby, it would sound like this. And I'm like, eh. Wow. Like if you're personifying a brand, I think it's, um, yeah, outside of admin. It's to get people to feel like it's personable, right? Yeah, but Eve, what you just said sounds impossible. That The poor people working for that brand. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. I, I guess it's down to experience, skill and preference. Like, I personally never imagine a person when I am writing on behalf of a brand. But I do know that people find it really helpful to have that. So, for example, when Sky Atlantic first launched and they didn't know how to talk, and that was specifically on social, actually, we did this, we did loads of workshops and we worked out that perhaps Sky Atlantic at the time, so this is like 10 years ago, would have sounded like Don Draper in Mad Men, which was one of the mm. TV series that the channel launched with. And then that just makes things really easy for people who aren't confident or comfortable in the process, thinking, well, hold on, would Don Draper say that? Would Don Draper reply to that? Would Don Draper, like, how would he answer to that? And, mm. you know, because if you know the character, then it's really helpful. And the same thing's true of a founder. You don't have to make up a character. It could be the person behind the brand, like Richard Branson, I think is unofficially, I, I, I don't think it is official that he is the voice of Virgin and all the, the brands in the group. But mm. there's definitely an element of his character within the personality. Social change tone of voice was modeled after Steve. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting. I actually, I do quite like that. So it's almost like a filter, you know, would Janice say that, for example, or whoever it is. Um, it does help, I think, especially look, when yeah. other people are like, they have to follow what you've written. Yeah, yeah. good luck trying to get an ice cream brand to sound like Adele and five other people's babies. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's like having like, like seven principles or guidelines, like it gets a bit convoluted, I think, when you have too many. Yeah, I think the more words that you have to describe your personality, the the less you're committing to what that personality is. Also, people's interpretation of 
those principles can differ if there's a lot. I mean, well, if there's one even, but that's when your guidelines come in handy because you have to be able to explain what those principles mean. So like fun is a really difficult one because everyone's got a different idea of what fun is or has a different mm. sense of humour. So that one really needs explaining so that it's always executed in, in the brand's preference. Playful was our latest one, wasn't it? That was uh, playful and friendly, everyone's playful. approachable, honest. Yeah. So, okay. Oh well, now you're <laughs> like, yeah, human, human, honest, friendly, authentic, and trusted and helpful. They're the blandest ones. Like they don't give anyone anything to go on. And also, why wouldn't you want to be all of those things anyway? Like, exactly. Like you think it was just like the unsaid. Yeah, they're really rubbish. And then Callum, you said playful. That's a difficult one because, yeah, playful in what? Playful in tone or attitude. Uh, Yeah, you need to explain all these things. Well, actually looking at that, do you have any examples of of brands that you think have nailed their personality then? So it's, you know, as soon as you look at it, unique, recognisable, instantly sort of them. Yeah, I mean, the obvious ones like Nike, nail it and nail it so much that they can talk about anything in any situation and always feel like them so I mean I don't know how they do it it's it's amazing really because obviously they they support every brand and every sports person and every person who isn't a sports person but just might go for a walk or (laughs) go to the Mm. gym so they've got a lot of people to talk to and represent and they're all over the world and they're working with agencies that are all over the world but they still manage to look and sound like the same one brand in everything and Mm. and that's come up in at the start of the pandemic when they came out with now's your chance to play for the world something like that and that is a line that they could have run on any day and it still would have felt right but they obviously did it um to talk to people you know asking everyone to sort of help each other and it was just right and effortless and brilliantly on brand so them they're a great example um who was i going to say we've talked about virgin virgin it's slightly inconsistent sometimes but uh, their virgin voyages sub brand i've had a lot of fun reading their website recently oh nando's they they've got a bit of growing up to do i worked with them on that um earlier this year uh because the sexual innuendos aren't always appropriate anymore um <laughs> but the the sort of confidence in their sense of humor and their cheekiness is really nice like, again actually that's uh, something else I've, I've referenced before about their communications during the pandemic they they closed their restaurants obviously during the lockdowns and the line that they started with was um your place not ours and it's just a really nice way uh, it's a really nice on-brand way of saying we're shut right now yeah, I think they had it on the all the delivery stuff as well. This is what I really like about Nando. So I love I love their tone of voice and their personality, but I love more that it's in every single place. It'll be like from what I see on Twitter and then I'll go into the restaurant mm. and I'll, it's on the coaster as well and it's just the same everywhere. That cohesiveness is something to admire. KFC are also a great brand for brand personality uh, and their commitment to consistency. I've seen some really good ads recently. Like One of them was basically listing all the products that they offer, but they did it in a really fun way. And then a couple of years ago, unfortunately, they pulled this um, as the pandemic started. I didn't think they needed to, but because you mentioned the mother ad, Eve, um, this was mother as well. So they they did a film and they took loads of stills from it 
and stopped the stills. I know this is a podcast, so I shouldn't do the action. I'll try and describe it. Um, <laughs> people, people licking their fingers. And then in the stills, it was the person's face and them licking their fingers. And on either side of their face, it said, it's good. So you filled in the finger licking in your mind. And that, you can only do that if you are consistent with what you say. And in this case, yeah. it was their finger licking good slogan. And I think that slogan's been around, I'm going to get this wrong, it's like 60 years or something. And uh, yeah, you, you can't do things like that unless you're consistent. No, I love that. Ad. And I, it was a shame they had to pull it because it was about like, you know, sanitariness. Of course. Um, yeah, that makes Around sense. the beginning of the pandemic. But I hope that they come out with it like again and like give it another moment on that kfc line uh, the ad that they pulled though i'm with you i don't think they needed to pull it because everyone knows it's kfc and that's what kfc say i think if a new chicken brand had come out with lick your fingers at the start of the pandemic then yes that's not right to do but an established brand with an established slogan i think they could have got away with it but uh, safety first i guess yeah, everyone was just so paranoid. I think it was like such an uncertain, uncertain times, unprecedented times. Oh, you I, said those it. are two words I, I don't want to. I don't oh, want to hear again. I thought they'd gone. I'm forever. saying it with a tongue in my cheek for listeners at home who couldn't see that. It's very much ironic. Uh, but I know we've we've sort of mentioned, you know, how every brand wants to say like they're human, like friendly and honest. And obviously, in the Real Talk report that you worked on with Twitter, it was every single brand getting described by Twitter users as playful and. And, uh, fun but I guess one thing that well it's like always a, a goal for brands to be distinctive through their copy and especially on channels like social that are so um, saturated but you know when every brand's defining themselves by the same terms how do you go about advising the brands that you work with on standing out and being distinctive which is obviously like crucial to brand building well the easiest thing to do is and I work with really big brands, so I realise that what I'm about to say might not be helpful to smaller brands. Well, maybe it is. Um, it, there's a lot of information out there that I can present back to my clients. So I can look to the category and pull out all like copy that's available from their competitors and say, well, if this is what this one's saying and that one's saying and this is how they're saying it, then you want to do something that's completely different. So uh, when you're presenting information in that way, it's really helpful for the client to see where they fit in and where they can stand out. Like, for example, I was working with a client last week and they said something about, they, they presented a load of words that they wanted to use. And I said, you can't use that one because that's your competitor's brand's word. And they were like, oh yeah, you're right. They have been saying that for a really long time. So I said, well, yeah, so why would you use it? Um, so I think always when you're pushing back or suggesting stuff to anyone, I, I always think you need to act a bit like a lawyer and come with a case prepared. People need to see evidence. You can't just give your own opinion, even if you have plenty of experience in it. But uh, I guess that's like a, an art. I've just answered you with sort of the, the afterthought. The, the bit before all of that is just, um, well, so I'm about to start work with a brand next week and they want me to create a new tone of voice for them. So I will be looking at who they sit next to in the market and in the category and finding a way for them to sound different. Um, and that'll be coming up with some principles that they can follow and then giving examples of how they those principles would look in execution um so the client can see me bringing my ideas to life on their behalf 
It's interesting and it, it's such a good point because I'm starting a TOV guidelines from scratch also this week. And as well as like, I feel like that's like something to consider for social channels, especially because as well as like looking at what their competitors sound like or like what, what everyone else is sounding like in the market to make sure they don't fit into that. It's like, what does every other brand sound like on Twitter, on TikTok and try and, you know, give them some distinction there as well. So I think... I mean, is that, a con- is that a consideration? I know we're like predominantly social and you've worked across multiple types of media, but do you think that consideration changes at all depending on where the words are going? I think the tone of voice is this, or should be the same wherever you're using it, but it can be, you can lean into it or dial it up or dial it down depending on where you are, but it still has to feel like it's coming from one place. So we were talking about people and personas and personalities before if you think about you as a person you always sound like you wherever you're talking but sometimes you might be a more excited version of you or a more angrier version of you and LinkedIn that- Eve is quite different to Twitter Eve very formal LinkedIn Eve <laughs> but it that you know but it, I still I don't like I don't revert to like hello it's not like phone voice in like like it's copy is it it's not it's it's just a little bit tweak yeah just tweaked yeah yeah exactly I love that you said phone voice that's a really good way of thinking about it I often say like for some reason when we sit at our laptop to write something sometimes we can sort of sit up straight and and all the formal stuff comes out which is what we don't (laughs) want depending on the brand that we're writing for I write mostly for entertainment brands so it's definitely wrong if I do that but a phone voice is a really good reference too because that instantly tells who you're talking to or, like you can instantly imagine what someone's phone voice is and if that's not your brand personality then why are you going to put it on in in some places and not in others yeah i get it a lot you see it a lot when like fast food brands for example like wendy's has a csr message or, or an mm. important message to put out and it's like in the same breath i actually found an example because i was putting a deck together found an example where it was literally like three tweets or like two tweets apart from each other it was like something really silly and then something really serious i'm like that's so jarring Did the, yeah it was a serious one just very on the nose serious uh, it, was a, it was a statement i think about um uh, restaurants in russia So like something that like, yeah, you have to be a bit more. But you know why? That's because people don't understand their own legal team. So they will, without even talking to legal, assume that because they're going to say something serious or important or, I mean, I've seen similar examples, Eve, but also things like, you know, if a, if a really fun brand launches a competition in their tone of voice, but then the next tweet in the thread is the, is the terms and conditions, suddenly they are written in a completely different way. And that is because marketers sorry marketers um not all marketers um we'll just assume that their legal team won't allow them to use their brand personality in that situation whereas uh, this is a really nerdy part of me i love working with lawyers because they're not stupid they get it they totally get what a brand's personality is and they totally get that something could and should be written in the brand tone of voice whatever the thing is um and so I often work with lawyers so they'll tell me what I can and can't say from a legal point of view and there are obviously majorly valid reasons for things like that and I'll say the way that I want to say it so that it feels like it's on brand and we come up with a compromise and everything works and a really good example of lawyers and um uh, creatives working together is the xbox uh, survival billboard. I think it was in 2016, and I think it was McCann that wrote it. It took three copywriters, but a lot um, of chatting with a lawyer, probably two or three lawyers, maybe. Um, and they wrote 
the terms and conditions that went alongside this competition, which is where real people got to stand on an actual billboard and the last one standing won the prize, which was to go to all the lands in the game that Xbox was launching at the time. And they called the terms and conditions something like horrible, horrible terms and conditions. And each one, there's like 20 clauses, maybe more. It's a whole A4 page and you can Google them and you'll find them. And they're all written in the brand's tone of voice. There's not one like clunky, unfamiliar, uncomfortable, unnatural word in there. It's all just on brand and brilliant. And also, why would you write something in a way that people can't understand if it's one of the most important things mm. that they do actually need to understand? It's interesting because obviously we talk about a load of brands here. I think we've kind of we've bigged up a lot of brands, maybe shamed a few of them. Not just well, just no, not picking up or shaming. We're just we are both observers, <laughs> impartial. <laughs> Looking at smaller brands and and and, and looking at brand building specifically i think a huge consideration of brand building is you know communicating purpose what brands do so you know the who are we why we exist and that sort of stuff can fall into the boring sort of we are this because we like this and this is where we were born so yeah like no one really cares <laughs> they do but they don't when you say it like that because audiences audiences especially on social switch off right so how can brands communicate that purpose in writing without sounding you know like everyone else basically well i mean i think firstly a purpose has to come from what you do not what you say that you can't say that you're doing stuff without Mm -hmm. actually doing it and also people aren't stupid and they'll know um and they also know what they like and what they want so we have to make sure that we're interesting to them um how can you communicate your purpose well i think it's in what you do rather than what you say i don't think every brand has to you know present themselves as um we're itv and we're here to entertain the nation like we know that i think there's a lot of like I find this with like products sales copy as well. Sometimes if it's not very good, it it seems to be like the same as like purpose driven content or CSR content, whereas brands will just get you to take their word for it. Mm. So you're telling them like, we are good. We are great. We do this. We do this. But you're not proving it to them. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you have to show and not tell. Like don't take, don't ask people to take your word for it, but actually just let them see for themselves. Exactly. And then you're making me think of Ben and Jerry's and all their brilliant product name, ice cream flavor names. And yeah, some of them are what I don't know, fish food or something, but others are, oh, I can't think of any, obviously, like on the spot, but others have got sort of a political undertone and they've been playful with it. So this is so unintentional to say this. They're putting their money where their mouth is because obviously you're going to eat the ice cream. Mm. Um, cause you could, you could be sort of, you could, come on board with the initial message and then you can read the back of the pack or the website for more information so they're sharing their purpose but in a way that relates to the product and the audience and the world mm. at the same time i just googled a few for you now Those we've got names save our better. swirled yeah brilliant save our swirled was another one here just while you're there eve i i only <laughs> imagine only a world of years peace ago, only a couple of years ago i found out that it was was fish food i've been calling it pish food you have not. Genuinely. I love that. You have not. Look, they didn't consider everyone who maybe didn't want to call it fish. <laughs> I love that. They are getting better than names. Fish. How about empowerment? Empowerment. Yeah. See, lovely. Like just instantly communicating purpose, but not in a way that's going to like make everyone go oh, so boring. It's like we're empowering you with our ice cream. <laughs> that's your advert voice no, kind of take that's, you off that's the phone voice type CSR ads that I don't want to see any more of yeah we're on a mission to do this yeah just do why it why is everyone on a mission <laughs> yeah 
Um, well, we only have like a couple more questions left, and I know we've touched on this quite a bit already. But I suppose one one main thing is uh, when you're putting together like a, a brand book or tone of voice guidelines, and you've gone into extensive detail about you know who the brand is, who they're not, how they want to respond and sound and think, etc. But then it comes time, um, like it is in social land, to pass it on to social media managers, content teams, and people who have to be able to apply it to their actual post copy when they're so used to writing memes most of the time what is the best way do you think to ensure that that tone of voice is just as easy as possible for other teams to follow and for that to sort of stay as the business scales the ownable words and phrases that I've mentioned a few times they go a long way to helping tone of voice feel consistent even if every word isn't on brand but I have an issue with a lot of brands that I have worked with have not included their social media team and everything so to expect them to then go and execute on behalf of the brand is really unfair like they should be in those creative briefings at the same time that an ad campaign is being briefed in for example they should be getting the the assets or or the you know whatever the ad's going to look like brand assets they should be getting all of those and having them in their toolkit so that they're ready to go and also it amazes me when social media teams panic like oh it's I don't know, international pizza day on Friday and we haven't prepared a post. Like create a marketing calendar, have these things ready in advance. There's unless something's happening like in the moment and it's topical, you can plan for everything. So you can be on brand in everything. It's not as difficult as some brands make it for their social media teams, I think. We actually talked about that with Puma and obviously the, the speed that sport moves and, and they have to react to things. Um, that kind of planned reactive element so you know something might happen. You can sort of get an idea, you can get things in place and then when it does happen, it's either they're ready to go or you can move on it straight away really quickly. And that's yeah. so, so valuable in sport especially, I think. Well, I remember reading an interview with, unfortunately, I don't remember who the interview was with. It it was around the time of the Super Bowl when Oreo won the Super Bowl with their dunk in the dark social media post when Mm -hmm. there was a blackout during the game. So they said something like, you can still dunk in the dark. And the person who worked at Oreo or the agency that created it said, that wasn't something that we created within seconds. That was something we created over two years. And what they meant was they'd spent two years getting to know the brand and understanding the brand and making sure that in any moment they could communicate on behalf of it. And that meant that they could then go out with a post that quickly and they didn't even need to get everyone to sign it off. Amazing. It must have been such a like a magic moment in the room that imagine them being like, I've got it. Yeah. Exactly. It's a good like it's a good quick line to get out of that with the alliteration and everything. Yeah, but also that dunk is an Oreo word. So mm-hmm. a bit like, you know, I keep saying about having your the words and phrases that you can own as a brand. Dunk is, is theirs. So just by getting that in, mm-hmm. even if they'd have said, I don't know what else they could have said, but just by having dunk in, they'd already got halfway there. What should I do on KFC then? It's just a licking. <laughs> I'll leave that one with you, Eve. Yeah, yeah. leave that with me. <laughs> Not one for you, Vicky. You just used to hell on that one. <laughs> Actually leads me on. I noted this question down when Eve was talking about uh, Nando's earlier, um, about how the brand always stays the same throughout everywhere. And that consistency that's so important to brands. Just wondered how... Um, 
how can brands ensure that consistency in tone of voice across channels? You know, like I mentioned with Nando's, you know, you could see it on in restaurant, then you see it on takeaway bags, then you see it on coasters and menus and online and on social. It's everywhere and it's always the same. So how do you ensure that consistency across everything? I think that's what we were just talking about, which is just making sure that everyone's got access to the guidelines and can yeah. reference words quickly that um, they can sprinkle in anything. But I guess the guidelines have to have some weight in the first place. Like I'll always try and get a CEO to present the guidelines or email the business with, you know, these are our new guidelines and everyone has to use them. So it's not just the brand team fighting on their own. Everyone will listen to that email, won't they? Anything from a CEO, that's that's getting exactly. read straight away. Well, yeah. and in my experience, it really does work when I've been somewhere that where that's happened. But then there are other things because not every social media team has a copywriter, but is expected to write like a copywriter. Um, and so there are things that we can do to support those people. You mentioned much earlier on that some guidelines are a few pages and some can be huge no one's got time to go through 200 pages of guidelines so make it easy for people and create that I think I said an a to z guide um did I before I can't remember of words and phrases that the brand would use and the spellings of those words and phrases because not everyone spells everything the same and then uh, a checklist or something so that they don't have to trawl through all the guidelines they can just go through like five points is your is your copy this is your post that and you're like yes I've, I've nailed it and then I guess that makes me think of just generally valuing tone of voice within a brand and I think the more that people do that the more it is respected and so if you had someone responsible for just celebrating it whenever they see a good execution and sharing that so everyone knows what a good on-brand post looks like or piece of copy it doesn't have to be a social post I know we're talking about social more here Okay, one last question, Vicky, just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite line of copy that you've ever read from a brand and why? The line you always come back to. What a question. I know. I hate this question. I never have an answer. <laughs> it's, and it's ridiculous that I don't have an answer because I'm reading things all the time. Um, I think too much choice. Yeah, there's too much choice. And also, I like everything. I like anything that's got words in it. I read everything, um, even if it's rubbish. Um, I, I still enjoy reading it because I'm always working out, you know, how did they write that? And, and would I have done it differently? And what if they swapped that word for this word? But off the top of my head, let me try and give you an answer. Oh, so I hate um, car advertising. I think they're all rubbish, but I've just thought of a car ad. Um, it's a VW snowplow ad. I think it was from the 80s. And the line is, have you ever wondered how the man who drives the snowplow drives to the snowplow? It's so effortless and confident and cool. And it tells the audience so much without explicitly saying like oh he drives a v, uh, vw because vws are reliable it, it's just great i love it but i've just thought while i was talking i thought of another one um from more recently and that is lego's rebuild the world it's so brilliant and beautiful and true to the brand and the product and it speaks to and about the current state of the world all at once and all in just three words. And it's a call to action. So it talks directly to its audience. So all in all, that's a banger. What better place to end this on than a banger? Um, in classic Social Mind style, we've talked for way longer than we said we would. But what do you expect when we get a copywriter on? You know I'm going to do this every time. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Becky. Uh, that was a really interesting conversation. And I hope everyone at home has taken something away from that. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you too. 
Eve, are you real? Are you personal? Are you active? Because if you're not, I want you to start I'm getting active, those things. But I like to think in my copywriting, yes, I do. Get real, get personal, get active. There are three fantastic principles there. And then obviously the further three that we discussed, make words count, make words work, make words dance. dance. Yep. I think some really excellent rules to live by. And obviously Vicky just, she just really knows her stuff. I have a feeling that we could have talked for another hour and she just has an answer for absolutely anything you throw at her. Yeah, I think this episode is going to be really really useful really popular actually um just based on the amount of actionable tips that vicky has there you know even just those two things that he talks about with the three uh, with the principles and then the actions so useful to know and mm. something that you know is not explicitly kind of out there yeah not to mention i mean vicky is just one of those people i think if you're interested in copywriting or if you're trying to be better at copywriting or writing in general someone that you just have to be following on linkedin and twitter for as long as the platform is alive <laughs> uh, but she's worked on brands like itv sony sky harvey nichols nando's um, big boy so stuff. many so yeah. many big players yeah so she really knows her onions talking of onions mcdonald's See what I did I'm there. loving it. Exactly. In three, again. What's it? Is it like the rule of three, right? Nike? Uh, just do it. Rice Krispies? Snap, crackle, pop. So they've all got it going on, right? So basically, oh, if oh, your yeah. slogan's... Adidas, impossible is nothing. Tesco, every little helps. If your slogan's not three... KFC, finger licking good. It's either three or five, isn't it? Three. Three That's or three. five. I mean, look, don't go, you don't They're have to go away. <laughs> if yours is two or no, four. we figured out a formula here. Well, like Vicky, you said, you know. Um, three or five. Sainsbury's is two, so it's not absolutely guaranteed. No, so you just like, see best practice. That's not a tagline. Those are like, it's um, internal principles. You know, like in a TOV when it's like, we are, we are not. If they're just lovely and lively, it's just so much easier to follow. Actually, staying on tone of voice then, um, one of the things that Vicky mentioned was having that kind of A to Z of words that you can, if you're struggling, just yeah. sprinkle them in. That's really clever. Uh, you will obviously, words. yeah, so like dunk for Oreo, magic for Disney, yeah. break for Kit Amazing. Kat. That, and at the very start of the episode, you know, when she went break for Kit and I went, oh yeah, actually. Kat went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And you know, if if you're ever struggling with that and you do have something to go back to, yeah. or if you're couple of social media managers are off and someone's covering or you're an agency covering, you give them that brand book straight away. They can talk like the brand and they don't have yeah. to have been in the brand for five years to get it. Really, really, what I'm saying, a simple hack because it's going to be very difficult to put together. But once you've got it, it puts you in a place where you're quite safe. It's a good example, I think, of something that we say quite a lot or like is preached quite a lot, which is that your copy and tone of voice is a distinctive asset. So it should be mm. recognizable. And I think a lot of brands, marketers, writers get a little bit caught up in, well, are we meant to be saying have a nice day different to how every other brand is saying have a nice day? Like, is that where the distinctive part comes in? And actually, Vicky said, well, you've got distinctive words. They are assets. Like the word magic is an asset for Disney. Um, so it's like using those distinctive words. That's That's what helps a lot as well. Yeah, as you can tell by the way Eve's talking, obviously another great copywriting episode and probably from my expressions and tone drawing that I've learned a lot again. I, I, I could speak about copywriting every week because honestly it feels... All right, then we'll do it. <laughs> if, you your, if you had your word, we would do that. But uh, another fantastic episode with Vicky there. Hope you all enjoyed it. Stay tuned for next week with another Social in Six and the following week we'll be joined by Richard Cook, Social Media Manager at Monzo.